All right. So, hey, they've been doing this series called Count the Cost, okay? So, I don't know. Luke was here last week, but I don't know if you know where the phrase comes from. I'm going to step on these. Okay, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is talking about a parable and he talks about counting the cost. But let me break it down for you. This is what it means. Everything costs something, right? Whether it's not something you have to pay, it costs your time, it costs something about you, costs to buy or do or be something. Does that make sense? So when you are about to do something, you have to count the cost of like, is it worth it, right? You want to buy that new game, it's like, all right, I need to count the cost of my lawnmower money, going to really cover this game and going to be worth it for me, right? So you have to count the cost in everything in life. And it's no different in our faith, right? We have to count the cost of what it means to believe in Jesus before we decide to believe in Jesus. But what's happened in our culture is Jesus is very normal here, right? Like your friends at school, they probably know who Jesus is. They talk about him. If you said, hey, I believe in Jesus, like, yeah, me too. But there's a really big difference between knowing about something and really buying into something. Does that make sense? So when you like count the cost about believing in Jesus, it's like taking inventory of like, are you ready to pay the price for what it means to follow Jesus? And the thing is, I don't even know if I fully understand how much that costs because this is the bottom line price of what it means to follow Jesus is that your entire life, the way that you knew it, the decisions you've made, everything up to the moment where you decide, I want to follow Jesus, you consider dead and gone. The way you used to think, the way you used to live, the way you used to act, and now your new life after believing in Jesus is a totally different person that should be Jesus working in you, transforming you, making you into who he originally created you to be before your sin nature wreaked havoc on everything that's, that's going on. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about counting the cost. It's like, are you taking inventory of what it means to truly follow and believe Jesus? And for us who are Christians, as we're walking through that, counting the cost means we have to face incredible tensions, temptations, and pressures. And we have to build the type of spiritual muscle to be able to be strong in order to do that. Does that make sense? It's not physical strength. It's mental, emotional, and spiritual strength. But there is a really crazy, freaking crazy strong guy who can pull an entire plane. I found him on YouTube. He's the strongest man in the world. And I want to show you this because this plane is 44,000 pounds. And he pulled it in record speed, a record distance. Check this out. He's an Englishman. That boy has had his fair share of fish and chips. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> guy. When you're pulling a 44,000-pound plane, mass matters. And the thicker competitors typically fare well in this event. Eddie Hall weighing 410 pounds. He weighs 410 pounds. With some nice, solid leg drive. A military plane in front of an outstanding crowd on a beautiful day. Really like the way that he accelerate off of the start, but this is the part of the course where you're gasping for air. Those muscles need O2. Eddie Hall. The distance to beat 23.55. And he's done it. This, I think he's dead he at this point. Like I think he just needs to lay down. And the final distance for Eddie will he's be done. Strongest man in the world pulled a 44,000-pound plane, and now his friends are coming to help him, give him some milk and stuff like that, right? This incredible strength. Here's the thing. He didn't just go out the next day and do that, right? Like, he had to spend countless hours training and exercising and lifting weights to get used to it, okay? So that's the same for us in our Christian life. When we count the cost of what it means to be a Jesus follower, it's like, okay, I've decided it's worth giving up my life to follow this man. 
But now what happens is the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit enters inside you, and he's all there. It's kind of like being pregnant or not pregnant. Like the Holy Spirit's there if you believe in Jesus. Now what happens is we stifle, we stuff, we kind of let the voices and the, and the stuff in the world kind of quiet him down. So we feel like sometimes he's not as effective or as powerful as he is. He totally is, but we can drown him out. So what our kind of spiritual strength looks like is not lifting weights, right? But what lifting weights principle is like you need to have pressure against something in order to create muscle mass. That's why if I go like this over and over again, I'm not getting any stronger because I'm pushing against air, right? If I had a weight in my hand and I start doing this, well, now I'm exercising all kinds of muscles. But the problem is this hurts. It's hard. It's creating tension. And in those tensions, you create growth. And for us as Christians, that's uncomfortable. So what do we naturally do? We just don't work out. It's just like in our physical lives. We don't, it's a lot of work to be healthy and to be in shape, right? And so a lot of people just don't. It's a huge struggle and a huge temptation. When it comes to counting the cost, you have to count the cost of what it means to really get in the game to believe what you believe about Jesus. So when we looked at Jesus' story, he just got baptized. The story we read yes, last week with Luke is on, he's in the desert, right? He had just been baptized at the beginning of his ministry, and he's in the first thing he does after getting baptized, the Spirit of Heaven comes down. It's clear that he is the Son of God, and then Satan takes him out into the wilderness, or God takes him out to the wilderness, and there Satan is messing with his head. He's playing with them. So 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasting. He's not eating. And then Satan comes by and he says, hey, Jesus, you are the son of God. Why don't you just tell these stones to become bread? Then you can eat them. And what does Jesus do? He recants back with his spiritual strength, which is the word of God. He says, man will not live on bread alone, but he has to live on the life of God's word, right? He has to believe and know that God's word is living and moving and effective and far more effective than just bread. So he defends Satan against the word. He believes that he knows what the word means and using that word, he allows himself to have power and authority when it comes to the temptations of the world. The thing that's scary about us, and this is actually a true statistic, your Generation Z, right, which is everyone in here from the age of 17 to 19, okay, Generation Z statistically has one of the poorest literary rates as far as Bible memory, which means like statistically you guys don't know as many Bible verses as the generations before you, and that's terrifying because when you're going up against the enemy who wants to destroy your very life because remember, your life's dead and now you live for Jesus, you're his enemy, so when he comes to attack you, your arsenal is weak because you don't actually know the words of God to be able to defend against him. So one of the first things you need to do to be able to grow and understand counting the cost is memorizing and reading the Bible. Getting into it not as a discipline or because your mom told you to or because I told you to or to just check the box at five minutes in the morning, but because that is the bread of life. Like from that, you find strength and wisdom so that in moments when you're having conversations with people, he floods to your mind the words of truth that will help you face the temptation you're facing. So when you're feeling the pressure, you can push right back. And God shows us that. Jesus is experiencing. He lived as a human just like me and you. And when he was faced with it, he pushed back and he believed into it. And then we continue and Satan actually tries another tactic. And we're going to pick this up right here in verse 5. It said, then the devil... He took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, hey, if you are really the son of God, throw yourself down. Jump off. For it's written that he, God, will command his angels concerning you. And they'll lift you up. They'll lift up. Uh, sorry. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. 
So then Jesus answered him again. He says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Have you ever put God to the test? Let me give you some examples, okay? You're staying up late to be on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, right? And you're starting to scroll through, but in the morning you got that math test. You're like, hey, the Lord's got me, man. We're good. So I'm just going to continue to do this. And in the morning, I'm going to pray a really mean prayer, okay? And I'm going to ace that test. That's putting God to the test. That's not trusting him. That's testing him, right? Or it's saying, hey, there's this person that I'm friends with or I'm dating or I'm interested in. And, like, I really like them, but they don't know God. They don't believe in God. They're actually kind of opposed to him. And they practice and do things that are probably not good things for me to be doing in my life. But I, I like them. Like, I want to be friends with them. And so, God, I'm just going to ask that you would help me just to be strong in the midst of it, right? And so you go and it's like testing God. Like, hey, God, you're going to have to help me because I don't know how to help myself, right? That's testing God in the moments. Now, it'd be different if you were really spiritually strong and you know so deeply the truth of who God is about your life that when you're talking to your friends, you're able to witness and evangelize and stand on your truth, even though they stand on a different truth. But if those muscles aren't built, oftentimes what happens is you start hanging out with friends without the defense mechanism of being able to stand on your truth and you start to conform to their truth. It becomes dangerous, right? We test God in those ways. There's lots of ways that we continue to test God over different things, right? We, uh, we ask God to like be blessing us and give us generosity. Like, God, make us rich, make us wealthy. But yet with the little money we do have, we don't ever think about God and the way that we tithe, the way that we practice, the way that we give. And so it's like, hey, God, I'm not going to do it, but I want you to bless me. That's testing God. And what Jesus is showing us here is like we don't test God. We trust God. Testing God never leads to good things. In fact, testing God's always going to make us look like a fool. But when we trust God and we believe in what God says, it doesn't make us a fool. It allows us to live in peace and confidence because we know we're living in the obedience that God's called us to. Um, the biggest, the biggest, I know we're running out of time, so the biggest thing that comes in the way when it comes to trusting God, when we decide that we want to test him instead of trusting him, is we lack the ability to truly surrender. Do you know what surrender is? It means kind of opening up your hands and your heart to the things that are outside of your control. It's being able to acknowledge the things that you're doing in your life that aren't on the path of what God wants for you and saying, God, I want to give those things up so that I can actually go back to the path that you want me on. Now, the problem with surrender is it's just as hard as working out. It's giving up the things that you love and cherish more than anything else. I don't know what that is for you. What are the things you need to surrender? But there's tons of opportunities and areas in your life you can think of. Maybe some of you have incredible fan base on Instagram or Snapchats with your streaks. Or you got a, a TikTok account that's just blowing up, right? And you look at that every day because you know that depending on how many people like it or follow you gives you a sense of worth and pride. Like, man, I'm good. I'm popular. That's not what God wants for you. He actually wants you to surrender those things back to him because those things don't define you. And the more that you chase those things, you start to lose your way in what God's actually leading you to, right? Another example is when you're in a relationship with somebody and you know that you like them and they like you and you continue to, you know, get more and more connected. Like you, you like the same music, you talk the same ways. So you're like, oh, maybe I want to kiss them. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe I want to kiss her. Maybe I don't want to kiss her. I don't know. But you start feeling these temptations. But in your mind, you're reeling over it over and again. Man, if I ever had an opportunity to be alone with this person, this is what I would do. And then the moment comes where you actually get an opportunity to be alone. Do you think you prepared yourself in a way to actually follow through with what God asked you to? 
Or do you think you've clung so tightly to something that when God's asked you to surrender it, you don't know how to let go of it anymore? Because your mind has been building this muscle around trying to hold tight to the things you need. See, one of the biggest things that God asks us to do when we count the cost is, are we really willing to surrender and to face the tension that the world has when we've completely accepted him and completely rejected the world? And the problem is for me, and I think some of the problem is for you, is that me and you live with one foot in each world. We live one foot in the old way we used to live life, the same movies, the same shows, the same jokes, the same bad things that we were into. And now that Jesus has come into our life, we haven't realized that we actually need to start acting, living, and being different. Not because we need to earn anything, but because we need to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit in us that's asking us to change course in your life so you can find the freedom in the life you live. You know, I think the times in my life where I get most discouraged as a Christian and I don't like being a Christian are the times I really haven't given myself over to it. I want all the perks of Christianity without any of the sacrifice. I want to know all the Bible verses without trying to spend the time to memorize it and to dig it into my brain. I want to feel all the blessing that God has without giving the blessing to anybody else. And what God's telling us to do is if you really want in with him, you got to give it all to him. You have to count the cost of what it means and you have to sacrifice it over you know, in two weeks, we're doing a student worship night. And on student worship night, we always have people who are getting baptized. And what's really cool about baptism is what we believe is that it's an outward expression of something that's inwardly changed. So why we do it on student worship night is because we want the people that are coming to get baptized to stand in that tub, to look at all of you, fellow believers in the room, your peers, and to make this proclamation that I believe in Jesus, I'm willing to die to him right now, which is what I'm going to do when I dunk into this water. And when I come out of this water, I'm going to be resurrected figuratively into the new life that I live. Those are people who have counted the cost and have made a decision that's worth it. I don't know what you have in your life that's maybe holding you back from fully experiencing what God has for you. My challenge for you would be to truly count the cost. Look at what Jesus did in his story as he faced temptation as a human. Even though he was God, he was fully 100% human. He was hungry after 48 days and Satan said, I can give you some food. He's like, I can't just live on my stomach. I need to focus on what God's asking me to do. Then he says, test God. Like, hey, jump off here. He's going to take care of you, right? He's like, I'm not going to test God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that he has me in the midst of whatever I'm going through for a reason. And I know he's going to bring me out on the other side. It's surrendering to the truth that you know and actually living and walking and believing it. Not saying it with our mouths and then living it differently with our lives. So I'd love for us to do is really go into small group, talk about what are the areas in your life that you need to surrender. We're almost done with this semester. All of you are about to promote into your next grade. Life is getting closer and closer to you being an adult where nobody can tell you what to do except for the government, okay? When that time comes, statistically, some of you will say, you know what, this whole Jesus thing, I'm done with it. I don't really like it. I'm not into it. I don't want to be a part of it. And so these few years you have, it's your chance to really wrestle. Do I actually believe this? Do you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he can transform your life? And are you willing to give up your life to face that transformation? Those are some hard questions. Man, I hope you wrestle with them because I do every day. You have to ask yourself, am I willing to count the cost of what it means to truly believe in Jesus? Because when you walk into life with him, nothing is the same. Trusting God is far greater than testing God. All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth of Jesus. Thank you the fact that he experienced temptation far greater than we could ever experience, and yet he still walked through. 
God, I think about what you say in your word, and you say, no temptation has overtaken us, but that which is common to man. But with every temptation, you give us a way of an escape. And no temptation is too great for us that you will always create a pathway for us to get away from it. God, would you give us just the small amount of strength to run down those pathways? Would you allow us to be recognizing what are the temptations in our life that are leading us down these dark roads that, that aren't going to take away our salvation because that's not ours to be taken, but God, that would be able to draw us into a closer relationship with you so that we don't keep distancing ourselves by hurting you, by living a life that's contrary to what we agreed to. God, when we count the cost of following you, would you empower our lives in a way that allows us to, to change the way we live in the day-to-day, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays. God, we love you and we're thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.